You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. We've been doing this We Are Family series, and, and it's been a, a wonderful, wonderful three weeks. Uh, we're going to go into the last part next week. And we started out by laying a foundation on how love has to be the centerpiece of a family. And uh, in fact, that's the foundational piece of a of, of family being healthy. And then we moved from there to, to last week. Pastor Mike brought a message on how uh, we need peace in our family and how do we uh, 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 embrace the peace of God and allow him to, to guide the peace, the, his peace into our family. And, uh, and that, it was a wonderful message. I want to give Mike a big hand for him uh, filling the pulpit last week. I heard we had an amazing two full services here at the Oracle campus as well as the Kearney campus, so thank you for doing that, Mike. Um, this week, we're going to move into uh, a, a message that is, how do we bring unity in our family? And I think a lot of us sometimes are, are, are faced with uh, disunity or disharmony in our family, and uh, unity and harmony are synonymous. They go hand in hand. And when families don't have unity and we don't have harmony, uh, it, it breaks families apart. There, there's no dialogue. There's no, you know, you don't have very good communication. Uh, you are uh, uh, agitated. And, and all kinds of, of attributes come from, from not being in unity with one another. In fact, Jesus talked about this. Uh, they were accusing him. The religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, were, were accusing him of all the miracles that he was doing. They, they said, you're doing that in the name of Beelzebub. You're, you're doing that in the power of the devil. And Jesus said something that's vital. He said, um, he said that Satan can't be against himself. He can't be divided against himself uh, because if he is, he, that kingdom, even if it's the kingdom of darkness, is not going to stand. When Satan is doing evil things, he's joined together with all those forces that are doing evil. And so he said this. He said, uh, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. That house cannot stand. And, and, and so what, what Jesus is teaching us is in the family unit, in, in, the, in the family uh, uh, God-ordained uh, uh, community is that we cannot stand if there is disharmony and disunity. And so this message is going to be about us learning some essentials that, uh, that are from, from God's word that help us to, to bring uh, the Lord into our, our, our homes, the, the, the Lord into our, our families, and how to bring that unity that we need uh, so that we can have healthy families. Here's what I know for sure, that family is God's idea. He originated it. He orchestrated it. And where you have healthy families, you have a healthy society. Uh, you have a healthy school. You have a healthy uh, workplace. Uh, you have a healthy government. But where families are broken, you see society begin to be broken down and as we look at this uh, third part, 
I, I think that, that God's going to speak to, to every one of us um, about maybe a, a place in your life where the enemy is coming in and trying to drive a wedge in that unity that you should be having uh, as husband and wife, as mother and daughter, as father and son or grandfather and grandkids or whatever it may be. And, and, and I believe that uh, because God is bigger than anything we face, that we can leave here with hope. That we can leave here with a, a trust and a faith in Jesus that, that he's able to, to re- reconnect and re- reconcile um, uh, the, the things that we're, we're, are tearing us apart. I want to start out by, um, by uh, talking about two families. Uh, as you know, I, many of you know, if you're new here, uh, I've been traveling quite a bit. And uh, three weeks ago, I made a trip to California, which was a, a wonderful time. Went to a family reunion, family. And then we did a family vacation, took the grandkids. We went to Disneyland, California Adventures. And then we, we came back after about a week there. And uh, my wife, the next day, uh, took uh, about 20-plus individuals to Mexico, to Puerto Peñasco, or what, what you would know as Rocky Point, to a mission trip. So she, we got here, she got in the car the next morning, and she traveled to Mexico. Well, she got back from Mexico, and she, we got in the car, and we drove to Dallas. And we, uh, we went to, to Dallas, Texas, and was there, we were there for a wedding. And in this wedding, um, there were two brothers. I call them, this is a, a modern-day tale about uh, two brothers. And, and one of, uh, of the brothers was there for his son's, fu- for not funeral, his son's wedding. And uh, a good friend of mine, one of my dearest friends that I have, uh, mo- some of you know who he is. He's spoken here at the church. He's led some men's retreats for me. His name is Greg Marufo. And Greg Marufo's youngest son, John Marufo, was getting married. Um, and so Greg was officiating the wedding, which meant that I was able to go and just sit and be a participant of the wedding, didn't have to do anything, which is probably the first wedding I've been to in a long, long time. I can't even remember when the last time that I didn't officiate the, the wedding, so that was wonderful. So uh, the, the, the other brother uh, was there, uh, of course, celebrating with, with the family. And, um, and so what, what, what played out was Greg did a wonderful job of officiating the wedding. His, his son, John, ha- had never kissed his fiance uh, until the wedding day. And so they had never kissed. I thought that was pretty amazing. And believe me, when they kissed, when he said, Let, you can kiss the bride, it was like fireworks went off. And his eyes, I've never seen anyone's eyes. So, so I was just rejoicing in that kiss, you know. Uh, and, and so it was just wonderful to see that, that a young man uh, waited until his, his wedding day to kiss his bride. And so that was wonderful. But anyway, so we go through the wedding ceremony, and, and, and Greg finds me at the reception. There's about, you know, 200 people at the reception. And he says, uh, I need a favor from you. He said, I need for you to uh, uh, mediate a, a, a meeting that's going to happen in a little bit. And uh, that meeting was going to be between his brother, one of his older brothers, and uh, his older brother's daughter, whom he had not seen in 38 years. And there was a lot of resentment in that, uh, in that uh, young lady uh, who was um, there. And she didn't even know her dad was going to be at the wedding. And her dad uh, did not know that his daughter would be at the, at the wedding. But it happened that, that this is the way it played out. And so my friend look, comes to me and he says, I cannot, 
uh, Jamie, he says, I cannot be a part of this uh, officiating or mediating this, this meeting because I am so emotionally attached. I'm going to say things that I'm going to regret. And so he said, would you please be uh, the person that goes and, and, and holds that meeting? And so from this, this, this meeting between this, this young lady and, and her father, I want to use that and, and weave it through my message. Uh, because what we'll see in, in that meeting, as, as well as the reality of life, is that there are families that are broken. And there are uh, uh, relationships that are broken, and they're not in harmony. And they're not in unity. In fact, they're divided. And, and what we also can see is that Jesus Christ is able to break all the, the, the bondage and the, and the chains that keep people bound from them not being able to walk in a right relationship with each other. So uh, in my message, I'm going to talk about four essentials that will help us maintain unity in our family. Four essentials that will help us maintain unity in our family. But I want to pray, first of all, for God's hand to be on me as I speak. Father, uh, as we come to this point in the, in the service I just pray your blessing upon me as I um, speak on your behalf. I ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you will give me uh, wisdom, Lord God. Give me uh, clarity. Uh, give me the ability to speak in a way that's understood, Lord God. Let me uh, present your word uh, in a way that brings glory to your name. And uh, I pray for every heart that's here. I pray for every mind, every, every uh, soul that's sitting in this second service, Lord. Uh, I know that there's someone here that is maybe uh, uh, struggling through a, uh, a, a difficult relationship, a difficult family relationship. And so whether that's an immediate family or extended family, we pray that, that, that you will use me as your vessel uh, to bring some, some, some healing, some practical teaching that will help them to navigate in the coming days. And we'll be very careful to give you all the glory and all the praise. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. So here, here's essential number one, okay? The, the first thing that we need to grab a hold of as far as uh, maintaining unity in our families is that we need to own our responsibilities and our failures. We need to own uh, your responsibilities and your failures. Uh, one of the things that we're very quick to do is blame others for what's going on in our life or blame others for, for um, maybe some of the things that, that, that they're not doing but really what we're not doing. And, and I want us to go to Genesis chapter 1 because that's where God actually founded uh, man and women. He created us uh, from, from our great-great-grandfather and great-great-great-great-grandmother uh, Adam and Eve and, and, and we see the account there, and it helps us to understand exactly how God wanted us to function. It says, God created mankind in his own image. That's everybody. Everyone has that, uh, that, that, that uh, God has inclined on us. He's poured into us his image. He said, in the image of God, he created them. Notice the plurality there. Male and female, he created them. Not only Adam, but he created Eve. And God blessed them. And I love what, what Tim said earlier, that, that we should be a blessing to others. Why? Because God has blessed us. God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. And so this puts the validity on sexual intimacy, that in marriage, sexual, sexual intimacy is good. God made it, right? That's another message. That's another series, right? And he says, uh, fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, have dominion over, over the earth, 
and, and, and rule it. So he goes on, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Notice that both of them had responsibilities that were given from God. It says God created them and, and their responsibility, not just Adam, but Eve's responsibility was to be fruitful and multiply and increase. Their responsibility was to rule over fish and birds and living creatures. Their responsibility was to honor God in every choice that they had. So you see, the, the dominion that Adam had over the earth was not just man's. It was also woman's. Eve had the same dominion and the same leadership because God said, let them rule over the earth. Man and woman would rule on God's behalf and would have God's authority. And you see, the whole goal of the enemy would come in the form of a serpent. And the, and the whole goal was to deceive Adam and Eve and to make them question God's goodness and actually the devil wanted to steal the dominion or the rule and leadership from them, and they would end up, it would end up dividing them and bringing, uh, uh, dividing them from God and then dividing them from each other and bringing disharmony and disunity. In fact, one of their children would be named Cain, and Cain would kill his brother Abel. And so we see that from, 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 this very, uh, from this very act that the enemy is coming in and trying to bring deception, that his whole goal is to bring disunity into this family. How was the response of, of Adam and Eve? It's a response that, that uh, most of us have. Adam said, uh, he said to God, he said, it's the woman that you put here with me. And some of us are still saying that. I mean, for the last three weeks, I said that a couple times. It's the woman that you put here, Lord, right? She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. So not only did, not only did, he, pl- did he blame the woman, it's the woman that you... But he says, you gave her to me. So not only is it the woman, it's, it's, it's also you, Lord. I was doing fine with Fido. I was doing fine with Gus, the talking mule. But you gave me this woman. And so the reality is that he was not taking ownership. He was not taking responsibility over what he had done. And and Eve didn't do any better. In verse uh, 13 of of chapter 3, it says, uh, she responds to God, the serpent deceived me. And I ate. What did you want me to do? It was that snake that, 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 that deceived me and I ate. But do you notice that the man and the woman did not own up to their own responsibility and their own failures? And do you notice that they were blaming the snake who they were supposed to have dominion over? That God said, I want you to rule over every living creature, everything that crawls on the ground, and you don't listen to them, make them listen to you. But can I tell you that all of us, even to this day, have snakes in our life? that come in and tempt us and make us question the goodness of God and make us do things that will break our families, that will, that will dis, uh, bring a wedge and, and disunity into our homes, and that snake is still trying to break families apart. 
I love what Derek Prince writes in his book uh, of husbands and, and sons. He says, I, I want to suggest to you that one of the strongest elements of spiritual warfare, and I want you to process those words, spiritual warfare, we're in a, we're in a war against the enemy who wants to destroy us, uh, and in the exercise of authority is a married couple in harmony and unity. It is still God's way to exercise dominion, not the man on his own or the woman on her own, but the man and the woman united according to God's pattern in marriage. And so it's not us saying it's your responsibility and it's your responsibility. It's us together saying we have a responsibility to God and to each other to lead and to own up to our responsibilities and the choices that we make. Here's a question that I want us to ask ourselves. Ask yourself this question. What am I doing? What am I doing that is bringing division in my family? Not what, not what everyone else is doing, but what am I doing that can be causing division in my family? What am I doing that is making uh, for uh, 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 disharmony in my home? And when you identify what that, what that, uh, that, that thing that's driving a wedge when you identify what's bringing the disharmony, we do something about it. One of, one of the most common mistakes that, that people make is not owning, on, not owning up to their responsibilities and their failures. As we got into this meeting uh, at, at, in uh, you know, Fort Worth, uh, and we met in this, in this room that was away from, from the wedding venue, uh, a beautiful room, and, and, and I went in there, and uh, the, the, the father of this uh, 38-year-old young lady, uh, they sat in different ends. Now, they hadn't even seen each other in 38 years. And she had all kinds of stuff that she had suppressed in her, in her heart, in her mind, in her life. And, and now she's meeting with, 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 this, with this man that, that has not reached out to her in 38 years in her mindset. And, and he's sitting there, and, and, and he's got all these reasons that, that he has not met with her. And then, uh, you know, my, my, my good friend is sitting, you know, on, on another side, and, and, he, and he's just saying to them, I, I can't be a part of mediating this because I, I, my, my emotions are all over the place right now. And the, the father begins to, to say, you know, this is what's happened, this is what's happened, this is what's happened, and, you know, your, your mom, she poisoned you, and, and all these things are going on, and that daughter just listened very patiently uh, for him to give his dialogue, and at the end of his, of his talk to her, she looked at him and she said, it's crazy how all this that you're saying, and you have not taken responsibility for what you've done. I looked at her and I said, you know what, I, I commend you for your, for your uh, boldness and for your honesty. And as, he, as they begin to, to, to kind of try to navigate from that, from that part of the, of the conversation, uh, it, it's so true that, that, that most of us make excuses for our actions. We make excuses for, for our failures and we blame others. This, this dad was not a bad dad. This, dad, this guy was not a bad, bad man. He was a, a born-again believer, and he was trying to process all that. He's raised two, two adult children. 
He was, in fact, he was in Austin because one of his sons had been hit by a vehicle riding a bike and he had broken his back. So he was there for, for his son. And, and now he faces his daughter who he hasn't seen in 38 years. And he's got all this going on and this is real life. This is the things that we face all the time. You know, uh, there may be someone here and you've, you haven't seen your daughter. You haven't seen your son in, in years. And, and, and this message is going to, to bring all kinds of emotions. How do, we, how do we move forward? That's exactly where he was. And as I sat there and listened to them talk, I, I, I just listened, but I prayed under my breath. I said, Lord, you're bigger than this. You're bigger than this. You can bring healing. And so the second essential that we need to, to, to grab a hold of is we need to recognize your real enemy. You need to recognize who your real enemy, you know, the, the chaos in your home and in your relationship is probably not initiated by the person you're blaming. There's an entity in life, in the playing field of life, that comes to divide. That enemy, that serpent in, 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 the, in, in the Genesis account, that serpent is throughout the Bible and he's here in this world. The Bible calls Satan the ruler of this world, and he comes in and he wants to destroy lives. He wants to insert things in your mind and bring all kinds of evil thoughts and bring all kinds of negativity and, 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 and for you to point the finger at everybody else instead of you owning up to the things that you've done. And there are things that, that, that divide. You know, we deal with these things all the time. I call them kryptonite. What is the kryptonite in your life? What is, the, what is that thing that's taking the supernatural uh, power of God from you? What is that thing that keeps you bound? Because that thing usually divides families. It usually divides relationships. Addiction. Addiction to drugs and alcohol. It divides families. I tell people, have, if you cross over that threshold, you know, you're drinking, everything's okay, but you cross over that threshold, and, and you know when you get there to that place that, that you just don't even, you can't, you can't reason, uh, the, 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 you can't make the decisions that rational people make because you've crossed over that threshold, whether it's drugs or alcohol or any substance, and then you make choices, the next day you're like, why in the world did I do that? Or worse than that, you get caught doing something that you would have never done if you were sober. For the Bible says to be sober-minded. And addiction divide, divides people. Not only is addiction bad for you, but it's bad for everyone else. But God is bigger than that. Affairs is kryptonite. Anytime that you succumb yourself to, to an affair, it's kryptonite because it, it, it divides. It breaks families apart. Not only your a husband and a wife, but every child that's, that's involved. Porn. Porn is something that takes you to places that, that only belong to, that, to your wife or your husband. And, and it takes you to those places. It's kryptonite. Materialism, when you live your life for things, for stuff, for riches, it divides. Pride is no different. It's kryptonite. Pride is when I don't need anybody's help. I can do it myself. You need God's help. And you need people's help. In between services, someone came to me and they said, man... I just really understand how much I need fellowship, how much I need people, how much I need God. 
Lying, you know, lying is kryptonite. Once you start lying, then you divide because people don't trust you. And, and the truth always comes out. Have you noticed that the truth always comes out? Stealing, when you steal, that's kryptonite. I was at, uh, in California at the family reunion, and one of my, one, of my, my, one of my relatives comes to me, and she loves the Lord, and we were talking outside, and, and she says, uh, you know, we're talking about what's going on in her life, and she said, well, one of our family members who's not here, she said, uh, I, I, he asked me to invest my retirement, and, and uh, she said, I lost all my retirement. He stole my retirement. That, those were her words. He stole my retirement. Stealing can divide. And that's just to name a few. And so Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, and we can apply it to ourselves. And here's the crazy thing. As Paul writes to the Ephesians, this was a, a, a city that was plagued by the occult. It was plagued by, by witchcraft. In fact, there's a place in the book of Acts where it talks about uh, the, the, the people in Ephesus that became believers in Christ, that they took their books of witchcraft, and they took their books of the occult, and they took it to the city square, and they burned all their books. And so Paul is writing to them, and he says, you need to recognize something. He says, our struggle is not against people. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You see, there's an entity in your life whose primary goal is to drive a wedge in your relationship with God and your family. And there's some young people that need to hear this, that you've been blaming your mom, you've been blaming your dad, you've been blaming your stepfather, whatever it may be. It's not them. It is the enemy that's trying to divide you. And if we don't recognize the real enemy, and if we don't gird ourselves with the armor, he talked about armor that we can, that we can uh, live with, the belt of truth, which he says, gird yourself with the belt of truth. It holds everything together. The belt holds, the belt touches every part. The breastplate, the breastplate of righteousness Guard your heart with a breastplate of righteousness. Your righteousness is what Jesus has done for you, and you can walk in this righteousness. The gospel of peace, the good news, the, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It helps us to understand that, that we can, it's essential, recognize who your real enemy is, and you can walk in victory if you have the armor of God in your life. Jesus prayed a prayer in John 17, and he didn't pray it specifically for marriages, but it applies for marriages. He, 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 he uh, spoke it for every follower of Jesus. And what he prayed for was for us to experience God's glory and his unity. And that's exactly what the devil wants to steal from us. And in John 17, in, in verse 15, he said this, My prayer is not for you to take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So even Jesus recognized that, that there's an evil one that wants to destroy our lives. And then he said in verse 21, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Here's the thing about our walk with God. When we're in unity, people see that there's something different about us. When we're divided, people see that there's nothing different. Amen? He goes on and he says, um, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. So the glory of God actually brings us together. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. 
And, and what, what you can grab a hold of is that God wants to pour this and, 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 and instill this into your lives so that you, will, you can walk with the glory of God, so that you can walk in the unity of God and not let the devil come in and break you apart. One of Moses' greatest requests for God and that he wanted from God is he said, I need and I want for you to show me your glory. And in Exodus 33, God said to him, uh, he said, I'm going to cause my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, uh, the Lord, in your presence and I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And when Moses had this encounter with God, he was changed, he was transformed, he was, he, the, the, the illumination of God was on him, where he walked down, he, he descended down the mountain, and when people saw him, he was lit up with God. And can I tell you something, beloved? God wants to light you up with himself. He wants to share his glory with you. He wants for you to walk in unity with him, and when you walk in unity with him, you'll walk in unity with each other. The third essential is we need to embrace the prayer of agreement. And I'll tell you that great things happen when we pray. I think that we limit God's power in our marriage and in our family when we refuse to pray, when we're too busy to pray, when we, ha when we have selfish prayers instead of selfless prayers. And Jesus teaches us in, in Matthew 18, he teaches us how important it is for, for us to, to pray in agreement. One of the... Let me say this from, from my perspective, that my home is a better place when Sean and I are praying together. This morning, we prayed before the service, and I'll tell you, it's a better feel when we come prayed up. And so in Matthew 18, he teaches uh, us the best conflict resolution that there could be. He says, if someone sins against you, you go to that person yourself. And you, you, you tell them what, what, their, what their fault is, and you let God come in and, and try to bring healing and restoration. If that doesn't work, he says, bring someone else. So bring an unbiased party with you to come in and, and, and help you in that, in that conflict resolution. If that doesn't work, bring it to the church. And if that doesn't work, he says, then we're going to deal with him like a, a pagan or her, with like, like a pagan or an unbeliever. But, but with that, he says this at the very end. He says, he says there's a prayer of agreement which changes situations and changes lives. He says, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything that they ask for, that means one or two or three or four, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. In verse 20 right there, it, it, it actually reads like this. In the original Greek, it says, where two or three are gathered into my name. In other words, Jesus himself is the focus. Our unity in Christ, our unity in Christ is not a doctrine. It's not a denomination. It's not a church. Our unity comes through Christ himself. When we bring Christ into our relationships, when we bring Christ into our marriage, when we bring Christ into our son and daughter relationship, he can do amazing things. The word for agree is the word symphonio. It's where we get the word symphony from. And a symphony 
There's harmony because every part complements each other. When you have a symphony playing together, every part is important. When we agree together and we bring Christ into it, we're in symphony with each other. And when we pray that way in our families and in our homes, good things will always happen. In that meeting that I had uh, in, in that, at the wedding, after she said what she said to the dad, the dad just sat there. And I, I looked at her and I looked at him and I said, um, if you don't mind, would you mind me speaking something into uh, your life? And he said, yeah. I said, can we, can we at this time, can we leave... Uh, her mom out of the conversation and uh, as far as what her mom has done and poisoning her from your, from your perspective and, and what others have done, I said that is a her and her mom conversation or that's a you and her mom conversation she's not here to, to defend herself can we just leave that out um, are you willing you know, right now to, to consider that uh, whatever part you had to play would you, would you be willing to allow God to, to bring that to the surface and let him heal that. He sat there and he listened and, and you know, he's, he's from Lordsburg where I'm from, so we're pretty machismos. Don't tell me what to do. In fact, there was so much that happened before we got to the meeting where he walked away and he said, you know, I'm not going to have a part of this. And, and God just orchestrated it all to come together. Um, but he sat there and he listened and then tears began to come down his, uh, roll down his face and he said to his brother, he said, do me a favor and, and close the doors and hold them shut. And what he did next is our, is our last essential that has to happen, okay? The fourth essential that has to happen is that we need to die to self. For you to have harmony in your home, you have to die to self. Because self is the root of the word selfish, and self is a root of the word self-ruled. But the remedy for disunity in your life is the cross of Jesus. The cross of Jesus breaks down our self-rule. It breaks down our, our selfishness. And it begins to, to help us to, to take on his character instead of our own character. Um, Paul wrote to the Galatian church and he says this, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life, now, uh, the, the, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And what you find is our responsibility as believers is for us to crucify our flesh, which longs to live independently of God. Our flesh desires to do things according to our desires instead of according to God's. And so he, he sat there and he said, shut the door and hold the door shut. And he got up out of his seat and he walked across the room, which probably to him seemed like about a mile. And with tears in his eyes, he got, he got in front of his daughter that he hadn't seen in 38 years. He hadn't talked to in 38 years. And he got on his knee and he got her hand and he said, 
if you will, will you please forgive me because I have not been in your life and I have failed you and I've sinned against you and I've sinned against God. And tears started streaming down her, her cheeks as well. And it took a, took a lot for her to forgive him. It took a lot for him to take that bold step. And in the name of Jesus, they were reconciled. Because he was willing for that moment to be selfless and filled with God. And she was willing for that moment to let God fill her with forgiveness and to bring restoration. Now her husband and her, and her daughter were in the, were in the, uh, on the, in the reception hall and they didn't even, he didn't even know where she was at. So everything was ending. And he walks through the doors looking for her. And as he walks in through the doors, he's like a deer with, in headlights. His eyes are wide open. And, and he, he, he didn't know that her dad was going to be there. And there was so much hurt from her from the previous years that he was in her life, in, her, in their marriage. You know, as, as a husband, you know everything about your wife and, and all the tears that she cried because her dad had never been there. And now he sees her dad and he's like, what, is, what in the world is going on? He's not like excited about it. He's like, what's going on? And as this, this hugging and embracing is going on, I said, hold on, we'll explain it to you later. Let this moment happen. And they loved on each other. The daughter came, the daughter's in, in, uh, you know, in college now, and he cried, and he said, I'm sorry for not being there for you. I'm sorry for not being there for you. And they hugged, and the, and the love of God was, was poured there. And so what it speaks to us today is that there's nothing that God can't heal. There's nothing that God can't bring back together. Because he's God. Jesus said, I make all things new. But we've got to die to self. We've got to die to our flesh. And I just believe that there's someone in here today that, that you've been fighting this battle I'm talking about. It might not be 38 years. It might be 20 years. It might be 10 years. It might be 5 years. I don't know. But you have this, you have this, this family uh, uh, disharmony in your family. There's disunity. And can I tell you that God has brought you here today to tell you that he's on your side and he wants to make it better. And he wants to heal the brokenness. Because this young lady would never be able to be at her full potential until this happened in her life. Those 38 years of all the things that she suppressed, when I saw her speaking to her father and saying, I hear you saying all this about my mom, saying this about them, about that, but you don't take responsibility for what you've done. All of that came up. And you may be in here and you may be thinking, 
the same thing. They haven't taken responsibility for what they've done. I would say to you today, are you willing to give God a chance? Which is exactly what I told the young lady. Are you willing to give Jesus a chance today to heal your heart? stand up as I close maybe you're here today and, and uh, everything that I've said has been resonating in your, in your, in your life in your, in your heart maybe God brought you here today so that he could start the process of restoration and reconciliation you see there's nothing too big for God I don't believe that Jesus had me preach this message just so that you could hear a lot of words. He, he had me prepare this message so that he could bring healing into your life and into your family. And I, I'd like for you to do something for me. I'd like for everyone to close their eyes, including myself. And if you're in here today and there, there's some division that's way beyond your ability to restore, that's tearing you apart, can you nod or can you raise your hand and, and let God see what you're going through, which he already knows? But can you invite him by acknowledging him to uh, invite him to come into this situation and take over? He doesn't violate our free will. He, he doesn't go against us saying we don't need help that's pride but he doesn't go against that so if that's you just raise your hand and I want to pray for us I want to pray for you right now I, I, I just ask Holy Spirit that you will guide me to pray your words Father as we come Lord you know the brokenness you know the hurt Lord, maybe even the feeling of abandonment. Someone in here just feeling abandoned. That's what you're feeling, and that's okay. And Lord, I just, I just pray, Father, that, that you will pour your love into each heart, especially the hearts that have raised their hands, the hearts, the, the, the hearts of those that have nodded their heads, saying, yeah, I'm, my home's divided. I pray, Lord God, that, that your supernatural power begin to work even right now. Lord, I pray that, that, that as we walk out, that every person that has acknowledged their need for you, that there'll be something different. That their heart will be more joyful. That their heart will be healed. That the, the weight will come off of their, their shoulders, off of their whatever they're carrying. I pray, Lord God, that you will providentially make an appointment for there to be a meeting with an individual that needs to be met with and Lord I pray even right now that the words will be that they will begin to be fabricated they'll begin to be worked out Lord God in, in, in this situation so that there can be complete restoration as we put our trust in Jesus Father, what the devil has done to drive a wedge 
between a mother and a son, between a father and a son, a mother and a daughter, a father and a daughter, Lord God, what the devil has done to drive a wedge. In the name of Jesus, we pray for healing. We pray for restoration. Lord God, let let this next Thanksgiving be different. Let this next uh, uh, family gathering be different. Let there be love and harmony in the home. Lord God, let it be restored in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, fill this place. Fill it with grace. Fill it with love. Fill it with forgiveness. And we'll be very careful to give you all the glory in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.